Well, good morning, everyone. Once again, welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright, joined by Patty Schneier, and we're coming to you live from the America Center in downtown St. Louis, Missouri, where the Seek 23 conference presented by the Fellowship of Catholic University Students is entering day three. And what a joy it is to be here. Let's give thanks to God by beginning our morning in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, what a week this is becoming, Patty. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, it is a bit of a marathon. (laughs) You and I have been here for many, many, many hours. Let's just put it out there. Um, So if our voices sound a little bit tired, it's because we've literally been talking with young people for 15 and a half hours yesterday and who knows how many hours the day before. But what a joy. What an absolute joy to be here at the America Center with uh, almost 20,000, you know, college students plus uh, all the adults and the vendors. And we're here, again, hosting and broadcasting and just meeting so many people. Yeah. And it's a joy. You know, last night, it was probably about 10 o'clock when I left. And I'm just thinking, I am so tired. How am I going to drive home? And then I walked through the main dome here. And they were doing swing dancing. So they had a live band on stage. And as I walked in, they were playing an Alan Jackson song that I absolutely love. And there's just hundreds of college students lining the floor in the aisles, in the back, in the front, all over, swing dancing, line dancing. And then it gave me so much energy, I got home and I couldn't get to sleep. You know, And, and I thought it was going to be one of those head hits the pillow, and I won't even remember coming home nights. Uh, but the energy here is amazing. And th- that, that fun energy is not even the biggest part of it, the no. spiritual energy. Well, that's what I was going to say. And I- I was privileged um, yesterday to be able to attend the Mass in the morning with the Bishop from Columbus, Ohio, and that was such a beautiful Mass. I I can't even tell you how gorgeous they have transformed the dome for Mass. Literally, there's a backdrop of our Cathedral Basilica. It's just spectacular. So you walk in and you really do feel like you're getting a glimpse of heaven um, with all of these people and then our, our this backdrop of the Basilica, which was beautiful, and the Mass itself was so reverent. I cannot even tell you how I was struck. You had 20,000 people, and I am not kidding you, during communion and after communion for Thanksgiving, you could have heard a pin drop. You could have heard a pin drop. The reverence, the reverence in that dome yesterday was incredible. And then, of course, the keynote speakers. Last night was Father Mike Schmitz and Sister Bethany Madonna from the Sisters of Life. And I got to hear both of them as well. So um, just what... The lineup is spectacular of speakers, the lineup of activities, combining fun, wholesome, good, virtuous fun with spiritual formation. It's incredible. I think the thing that has struck me the most was yesterday morning at the conclusion of Mass, how many thousand singing Salve Regina in, in perfect unison yes, with one another. That was gorgeous. And and, and if that wasn't, you know, the, the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel Salve Regina, Holy God, we praise thy name, and, and then, then everybody everyone dropped, down to their knees dropped in to silence. Their knees. Exactly. They dropped to their knees, everyone. It was really something to witness. Yes, it, indeed. It, it, you know, it's overwhelming. And here's the good news. The fun's not over yet, and the spiritual goodness is going strong. Um, I think there's still time. 
if you live in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, if you're nearby, to go to archstl.org and register for tonight's Night of Adoration. If you if you want to get in on this prayer and, and the power of this, um, absolutely register. It's free to come to the Night of Adoration tonight. You do have to register, but it is free if uh, there's still registrations available at archstl.org. And if you say, you know, I'd like to come for the conference, they still have day passes available uh, for today and tomorrow, and you can just come right down. They have, a, they have a whole booth right out in the main lobby where you just go up and pay on site. And tonight's keynote speakers are uh, Sister Miriam as well as Father Josh Johnson. So again, tonight's going to be spectacular. Indeed. Well, there's a lot going on here today. We, we have a lot that we're going to get to on the broadcast this morning. We're going to be talking with Nikki Beeves from Biking for Babies. We are going to be talking with young Catholic professionals. We're going to be talking with Ave Maria. We're going to be talking uh, with uh, a priest from right here in town. And, you know, speaking of priests here in town, it, it was your son last night who posted on, on social media. He's like, this is the future of the church. And, yes. And it's like, yeah, you know, when, when this is all about missionary discipleship. This isn't about coming together in a dome and having a weekend and then saying, okay, wasn't this week great? And now back onto life. This was about coming together in a dome so that we can then go out. Actually, even the homily yesterday at Mass was about being a spiritual entrepreneur. And this bishop was phenomenal in that he sat down with the director of his Better Business Bureau in his diocese and saying, okay, what makes a good entrepreneur? And then put that in a spiritual sense. So these young people are truly being formed to be sent out on mission, as we all are from our baptismal calling. Yeah. And um, they take it seriously. They are on fire. And yes, I, I agree 100%. This really is the future of the church. And come down to see it if you possibly can, yeah. because you will be filled with hope. Well, uh, before we go to the weather here, we would like to give a shout out to our very own Bishop Edward Rice down in the Diocese of Springfield in Cape Girardeau in Missouri. Um, Cape in our listening area, who celebrated his anniversary of ordination to the priesthood yesterday. yesterday. Yes. And uh, so congratulations. And as we say, ad multos anos to many years. And we certainly pray in Thanksgiving for Bishop Rice and for all our priests and bishops. And he's here. He's yep. here. I ran into him yeah. yesterday. I'm all telling right. you, you run into everybody here. <laughs> and also before we go to the weather, we know we've been telling a lot of the college students tomorrow morning, when you get up, you can live stream Roadmap to Heaven just by going to ourcatholicradio.org. If you are a college student at SEEK and you are actually doing that right now and you come to our booth this morning, we'll have a prize for you. You just have to say, Adam said on Roadmap to Heaven, come to the booth and I get a prize. That's that's the only requirement. So I think most of them are asleep, to be very honest with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They've been up late. <laughs> I would be. Well, let's, let's go back to the studio now to uh, get a check of today's weather with Mike Roberts and our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Born in New York in 1774, her parents were members of a prominent Episcopalian family. Elizabeth lost her mother at the age of three, and when she was 19, she married William McGee Seton, a wealthy businessman, and together they had five children. But William died of tuberculosis in 1803, leaving Elizabeth a young widow. After discovering Catholicism in Italy where her husband died, Elizabeth returned to New York and entered the Catholic Church. And there started an academy which initially was very successful, but several families withdrew their children when they discovered Elizabeth had become a Catholic. 
1809, she moved to Emmitsburg, Maryland, under the advisement of a French priest, and there began St. Joseph's Academy and Free School, an effort which would plant the seeds for Catholic education across the United States. She founded the Sisters of Charity of St. Joseph in 1811, and the congregation adopted the rules of the Daughters of Charity founded by St. Vincent de Paul. Her legacy now includes religious congregations whose members work to meet the needs of those in poverty across North America and beyond. Elizabeth Ann Seton died on this day in 1821 at the age of just 46 and was canonized in 1975 by St. Pope Paul VI. She was the first citizen born in the United States to be given the title saint. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Well, we are back at the, uh, I wanted to call it the Trans World Dome. That's what it originally was. <laughs> That'll it's, it's date the, you. <laughs> the America Center. It was the Trans World Dome when the Pope came. When, it was. When St. John Paul II came. Uh, speaking of things in, in the past, when we first started Roadmap to Heaven back in March, I guess it was April 6th of 2020 was our first broadcast. You know, we had this great intention. We were going to broadcast all of these great events happening around our listening area, uh, and, and we were going to bring the best of the best. And then, of course, everything shut down and one of the first events that came back that we were able to feature on the show was a celebration of life rally uh, at the conclusion of a bike ride called biking for babies and nikki beast uh, was our first guest with an event happening which was the original mission of the show and every year we've had the chance to speak with nikki uh, leading up to that celebration of life and like a family reunion here you know here we're, we we're at focus we're at seek 23 and we turn a corner and i'm like I know you, even though I've never met you, and Nikki's here with us this morning. So, Nikki, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And welcome. Thank it, you. It is great to have you here. And, and, you know, this is a really great time to speak because normally we're talking about the end of Biking for Babies and this wonderful celebration that is going to happen in St. Louis again this summer. But we're always like, well, what if people want to become biking missionaries? Oh, well that, well, that was months ago. And, and here we are now months ago on time to talk go. about that. So tell us a little bit about, about what's going on with Biking for Babies right now. Sure. So thank you so much for having me. We, if your listeners don't know, Biking for Babies proclaims the dignity of human life by uniting cycling with the formation of young adults. And we want to form those young adults into missionary disciples of Jesus Christ. So we have this virtual formation program that these young people can do uh, from March to September, from their college life, from their young professional life. And we are actively recruiting those missionaries right now. It's a volunteer opportunity where they join us to grow deeper in faith, um, have this incredible adventure across the country, which is the week in July. So everything's virtual besides the ride, and they bike five to 700 miles, or they drive a support vehicle and support the riders. And we have this, like I said, incredible adventure across the country, and we're inviting people into it right now. Wow, 500 miles. Mm -hmm. I, I think of that your, old Proclaimer song. Where's, what's your start and end places? Yes, yeah, so we have six routes that we offered this last year. Uh, five of those routes go into St. Louis. So we start in Minnesota, Ohio, Mississippi, Kansas, and uh, Wisconsin. And then we have one other route that goes into D.C. from Ohio. We're looking, depending on how many missionaries we can recruit, we're looking to add two additional routes, one going from Michigan to St. Louis and one from Ohio, or sorry, New York to D.C. And so we want to have these uh, uh, celebrations of life like you talked about. Um, you guys have featured that before. We have this end of ride event, and now we have two across the country to gather people and witness to life. 
One of the phenomenal things about this every year is you wear the biking jerseys as the missionaries go on these rides and the conversations that happen along the way. I mean, because you have to stop to rest, you have to stop to hydrate, and you have to gas up the support vehicle, and people are like, biking for babies, what's that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard there are some fantastic conversations along these routes about the pro-life movement. Oh, absolutely. So I, we, we want to form these young people into missionaries, and part of that formation is teaching them how to proclaim the gospel of life and how to have these non-confrontational, very loving conversations about a topic so difficult as abortion. But it's so we're grateful because we have these Pregnancy Resource Center partners. Every missionary gets that center partner, and they get to learn their stories of women who have been served in their unplanned, difficult, and at-risk pregnancy. And this woman who has truly been given all of the options on the table and been able to choose life for herself and for her baby because she was supported in her crisis and beyond. And so we have these stories and we also have stories of women who've chosen abortion and what that looks like in their life and and how they've suffered and how they regret those abortions. So we get to go and tell these true stories to people that we meet and inspire them and everybody gets on board with this you know whether they agree with us ultimately or not they're excited because these young people are willing to put their bodies put their time and energy and money on the table to support these women that they will likely never meet so our conversations are absolutely incredible people you know are all over the spectrum on whether or not they think abortion should be available or is necessary and we're able to invite people into moments of conversion and show them the beauty of the gospel and how every life is a precious gift and we are meant to promote and defend every life now, we, we sometimes think about the impact that this has out in the world. What's been the impact on the missionaries, you know, other than they're, they're in great shape and their, their <laughs> legs are, you know, every day's leg day. And I have a question also. How many missionaries do you have? Yeah, great question. So this past year we had 57 missionaries from across the country, and that meant we could have 57 Pregnancy Resource Center partners because we partner them one-to-one so they can really develop and learn, uh, develop that relationship and learn from that p- particular center and raise awareness for their center in their area. And um, these missionaries, I mean, the goal is for them to be transformed, right? We want them to know Jesus. We want them to truly um, have that conviction in their heart that even their life is a gift, a precious gift. Um, So they're transformed physically, absolutely. Um, Definitely the riders and even the support crew. I mean, it is a physical opportunity where you are running, you're passing off water bottles to your riders, you know, you are pushing yourself. Um, The support crew option is really unique and I'd like to share that a little bit. They really develop um, in a different, they develop their spirituality in a different way because they are pouring themselves out in order to really make sure their riders are as comfortable as they can be, as hard as five to 700 miles is in six days. Um, But they, you know, they sleep a little less. They stay up late to do the laundry. They're talking more with people on the way because the bikers have to stay on the bike. You know, they, they 10 to 12 hours, they've got to get to their destination. Um, But the support crew get the opportunity at gas stations when they're filling up their gas or getting more water for the teams. And they really get to invite people into the mission because people are like, okay, you're all matching you have a painted van what's going on <laughs> and we want to be very busy because you stand out yes we want people to see us and to really ask questions because that's an easy way to yep. say well this is what we're doing and these organizations these pregnancy resource centers are who we support and these moms and these babies um, and it's really beautiful because you talked about stories on the way last year we had someone meet us um, he never goes to this particular gas station but just happened to this day and he saw our teams and heard what they were doing and he actually his his girlfriend had just 
just aborted their baby just a couple of weeks prior. Yes. So this man is just bawling in this parking lot, talking to our teams and they were able to just be with him in his crisis when he felt like he couldn't share that with anybody else, you know, and in his suffering and his pain and just like trying to navigate this horrific thing that he was going through. And he saw our missionaries and they were a light and they got to show him Jesus. And, you know, even moments like that, people who have suffered from abortion, um, just get to realize it's, that regret is real yeah. and we want to be with you in that and help you get past it and heal and you know, how it, real Jesus's mercy is. Amen. Yeah. And I always want to take this opportunity to say, if you're listening and, and you're saying, this is me and I've been holding this in inside for a long time, or you know someone that fits that description, uh, especially in the Archdiocese of St. Louis Project, Rachel and the Rachel's Vineyard Retreat Program is doing amazing healing work. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. ministry and I, I would highly encourage you, you can contact them. It's completely confidential if you just go to uh, the Respect Life Apostolates page at archstl.org and they, if even if you're not from St. Louis, they can help get you in touch. If, 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 they, if they are not the ones, they can get you in touch with who you need to be connected with and it's a beautiful thing. I have another question just because yeah, this is great. so fascinating and I'm learning about this through this interview literally <laughs> as we speak. Um, so what's the age range of your mm-hmm. bikers, of your cyclists? Yeah. So 18 to 39, we aim to form these young adult missionaries because it's that age range where abortion happens the most. And we talk a lot about how we want our missionaries to be transformed because truly any one of them could find themselves in this situation. And we hope not. Um, we've had missionaries get unexpectedly pregnant and we want people to know, you know, individually, you are God's beloved and no matter what happens in your life, he will always love you. And so will we. So we really start with a missionary. You, t- you asked how they're transformed. I mean, definitely physically, but spiritually as well. Like we want them to know Jesus Christ and to know, um, to go out then and share that gospel even after their time at biking for babies. So for our listeners saying, Hey, you know what? I fit that description. I'm, I'm 18 to 39. Mm-hmm. I love to bike. I think I could do 500 miles. Where can they go for more information on how they can sign up to be a missionary? Mm-hmm. Well, if they're at seek, they should come and visit our booth because we've got a cool competition going on tomorrow. Uh, if they bike in a minute, uh, whoever bikes the farthest in a minute gets to win either B for B jersey, a retro cool blue one, uh, or a helmet. Uh, but if they're not at Seek and can't visit us, bikingforbabies.com slash join has all that info. We're also on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Follow us and uh, reach out. We'd love to talk to you. It is, I will say here at Seek, I've noticed a ton of people. Over, we're, we're close in proximity to the Biking for Babies booth, and we have noticed a ton of people. You've got these stationary bikes set up, mm-hmm. and people are getting on there, and everybody's stopping over we're to We're super Seek. fun. Yeah, which is awesome. Awesome because it's it's attractive and mm-hmm. and I think you've hit a niche there for young people that want to do something meaningful mm-hmm. and they also want to do something yeah. active that will push themselves yes adventurous mm-hmm. yeah yep. well, we we want to thank you Nikki for being with us we're going to go to a break so I can go uh, jump on the bike and start training yeah. for that competition tomorrow <laughs> I know I'm not going to win but I'll I'll give it a good shot. Uh, You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. We're broadcasting live from downtown St. Louis at the Seek 23 conference. The college students are starting to wake up, and and a few are meandering in here. It's going to get busy here pretty soon. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about Catholics, uh, particularly young adult Catholics in professional life and the difference Catholicism makes there. So don't go anywhere. We will be back with you shortly. A prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose, make intercession for Holy Church. Protect the Sovereign Pontiff. Help all those who invoke you in their necessities. And since you are the ever-Virgin Mary and Mother of the True God, obtain for us from your Most Holy Son the grace of keeping our faith 
of sweet hope in the midst of the bitterness of life, of burning charity, and the precious gift of final perseverance. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, coming to you live from downtown St. Louis. I'm Adam Wright, joined by Patty Schneier. And Patty, I do have to say, it's been awfully nice having a co-host this week. It well, takes some of the pressure off. <laughs> and it's been a lot of fun. Adam, you and I do so much work together, kind of behind the scenes, and of course through Pledge Drive Weeks all the time. But to be back doing, you know, radio live with you, um, this has really been fun. I enjoy it tremendously, and you do a phenomenal job. Well, so I'm just well, the sidekick. I love being the sidekick. Yeah. You know, often when we think about being being Catholics and being missionaries and going out there, one of the things we think about is, well, maybe I should go into ministry. Like, I could go into Catholic broadcasting, or I could go into parish work, or I could go out and do work for this apostolate, but that's not everyone. You know, some Catholics are just called, you know, as Mother Angelica said, you have to be holy wherever you are. Yeah, and, I was called to be a teacher. I'm, right, I'm right. called to be a nurse. And, and, and so some people are called to go out there and practice law. And our next guest is... Uh, John Zarnetsky uh, from the Ave Maria Law School. John's the dean there, and we're, we're pleased to have you with us. And I think that's one of those questions. You, you, you think of there's law school, and then there's Catholic colleges and universities. Well, why, why do we need a Catholic law school? And, and, and why would we need Catholic lawyers? Does it really make a difference to, you know, isn't a lawyer just a lawyer? Why would we need to be Catholic in doing that? Well, uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, good yes, morning, welcome Adam. to Roadmap morning, to Heaven. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. And, boy, uh, what a great topic to lead off with, Adam. Uh, Several things occur to me. First of all, personally, I'm a third-order Dominican, and so we are called to preach no matter where we are. Mm -hmm. And there's no better way to preach than to be a law professor. But more specifically about our law school and about the general question you asked about lawyers, um, our law school was founded by a great man, Tom Monahan, who founded Domino's Pizza, and he was looking for something to do with all the money he made when he sold his interest in the firm. And he asked himself, other than seminaries and other than priests and religious, who are the people that have the most effect on our society, for good or for ill? What a great question to ask yourself. Superb question. And I'm going to guess what he answered that way. <laughs> well, you know why I'm telling the story. But He's, yeah, this is awesome. He said lawyers. And so that is the genesis of Ave Maria School of Law. And I said for better or worse. So that really gets to your question. How can the idea of an unabashedly faithful Catholic law school change society for the better? And it's obviously something I spend a lot of time thinking of as dean of Ave Maria School of Law and our faculty um, tries to implement. The answer is if we do not have the proper view of the human person how can we craft laws that are just and when our laws are not just we don't have peace in society society's riven apart so it all comes back to frankly the great saint john paul ii who so emphasized um, including in ex corte ecclesia the document that he wrote concerning catholic education that the whole point of education is, of course, the dignity and good of the human person, and that requires us to understand properly the human person. So we are uh, the unabashed Catholic law school in the country that seeks to implement yeah. 
Ex corte ecclesia. You know, I, I was thinking as I drove down this morning, I had to take a detour because uh, the highway backed up, and I, you got to get to the broadcast on time. And I drove by the uh, Civil Courts building in downtown uh, St. Louis, a beautiful building, a, a magnificent edifice, in the scales of justice outside. And as you're saying all of this, I'm just thinking to myself, well, who is the author of justice? I mean, if, if, if the law and our court system is all about justice, well, who's the author of justice? God. God is the author of justice. So why would we remove the author from the from the practice yes we well we do so at our own peril yeah yeah and we americans of course uh greatest country in the face of the earth in large measure because of our tradition of laws but for me and this is just a personal opinion we have elevated concern with essentially freedom and liberty it's one of our founding principles but we've elevated that in my opinion, to one of the transcendentals. We've elevated it to the level of truth, beauty, and good. And, of course, liberty, freedom, human freedom, is a tool for us to achieve the good. But it is not one of the, it's not one of the transcendentals. And also, I think very often we have a misunderstanding of what even freedom is. Of course, it's the wrong definition. It's not to do what I want, when I want, with whomever I want, how I want. Of course, it's always what we ought to do. It's choosing the good for ourselves and for others, wanting what is best. And we, we, we can't even do, agree on that in this country. Absolutely, Patty. Freedom uh, is a tool to be used to achieve yeah. One of the transcendentals, the good. We are free to become who we should be, who mm. God intended us to be. Right. right. It's a very different from license. We talk about that often. You know, Precisely. This is not just go do whatever you want. That That's not freedom. That's just the lack of restriction. And that can be good and that can be bad. And as you said before, it can be very self-detrimental. It can be, uh, you know, cause tremendous harm to those around us but when we freely choose to do what god's calling us to do that's where we experience that authentic freedom so john as we wrap up here i think the other question i want to ask is you know for our listeners who aren't lawyers but you know they're endeavoring to be catholic in their everyday life and and we've had the good pleasure patty of meeting several great catholic business owners in our listening area um, several entrepreneurs what lessons have you learned about putting that catholicism first putting our faith first that you would want to share with them as they seek to go out and live in the world today well i think for me the most important thing is if we truly live into our Catholic faith, we can be, and pick your metaphor, we can be the yeast in the dough of society. We can be, uh, I've heard Mr. Monahan say, we can be the knights that go out there and sometimes in a lonely fashion are... Um, you can be the light. The light and the knights out there changing society. So merely... it. it for me, it's it's such a strange place we've gotten to in the world that it's actually radical to be a Christian yeah. in modern business. But we can, it, law, for example, business, those are all ways to serve other human beings. I tell my business students, students come to our school, they want to be in the Supreme Court litigating religious freedom. And that's fantastic. But also become a business lawyer. Go out there or a business person every business begins as somebody's dream and when you're a business lawyer you're helping people achieve their dreams in service of others so i would say don't be afraid to go out there and be unapologetically 
Catholic and you will change the world. Wonderful. Well, John, I want to thank you for being with us today. For anyone listening who would love more information on Ave Maria Law School, uh, where can they go? Well, AveMariaLaw.edu uh, would right. be the best place. And if you happen to be down here at, at Focus, they've got a booth here as well. And Please uh, drop by our booth. I have to say, your booth kept my ears nice and warm. I forgot that it was actually going to get a little colder today. It was so beautiful yeah. yesterday. I'm like, oh, I still have this uh, headband in my pocket. I'm going to be nice and toasty as I walk from the car to the dome today. <laughs> They're all gone. <laughs> oh. Uh, the giveaways here down at the conference are un- tremendous. So he's talking about this headband that he that he got, which is beautiful. But I just want to thank you for what you do, for bringing this Catholic worldview to an area that is so important. I love your opening statement. I sat here and just kind of thought, wow, he's so right. What other than priests and and religious can have an effect? And if we don't have laws, if we don't understand the human person, then how can we even have laws for the human person? Just, you've just opened my mind. <laughs> well, thank you, Patty. Yeah. It's true. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about how we can put our Catholicism into practice in our professional life in particular. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this. Daily Offering. God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God, the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which Thou intended me to become when Thou created me. For in Thy perfection I will give Thee the glory Thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. It's a very special broadcast coming to you live today from downtown St. Louis at the Seek 23 conference. I'm Adam Wright, joined by Patty Schneier, and we are happy to welcome to our, you know, it's really great. We're at a booth here in the middle of an exhibit hall, and we get to see everybody as they walk by. And speaking of seeing folks, we're happy to welcome Philip Morrow from Young Catholic Professionals. Philip's the chief growth officer for Young Catholic Professionals. And I know we talked with your, your colleague Joe Griesbauer a few months back, uh, but for our listeners, um, Remind, remind folks what your organization does. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be here. So, yes, Young Catholic Professionals, uh, our, our purpose is to encourage young Catholics to work in witness for Christ, uh, to inspire modern-day saints. And we do this through building Catholic identity, encouraging community, and inspiring action. Wow. And, you know, this is one of those things that a lot of the the students that are here right now, you know, they're focused on college and their degree. And then the the big question is, what comes next? Next. And for some, it's going to be grad school, for some med school, for some law school. And for some, it's going to be going out into the business world. And I just think of especially our secular society right now, it's like going into a shark tank. And I'm not talking about, you know, sales pitches and that TV show. But I mean, literally, as uh, the late Pope Benedict, said that the world is full of ravenous wolves and, and the, the tyranny of moral relativism, um, if you're not anchored in your faith, it's really easy to get swept up in that. So to have young Catholics seeking out other young Catholics in the business world to help maintain that Catholic identity has got to be game-changing. Absolutely. And we take a very broad view of the word professional. Uh, we're really, for all Catholics age 20 to 40, um, regardless of their career field and regardless of whether they have a college degree or not. Because yeah. those connections are important for every industry. And, you know, we, ju- we just talked about lawyers, and there are some uh, specific industries which are blessed to have sort of those uh, Professional titles, yeah. Uh, well, Catholic Medical Association, wonderful organizations, and, and, and St. Thomas More Society. But for 
just a regular young Catholic who might be in any sort of position, how do you connect with others and how do you um, maintain your faith through those connections? I was going to say, because I think another huge component of this must be because the social component, even though I know the faith component is very, very important, but so often on college campuses, you're surrounded by young people and you're meeting friends constantly. There's, mm -hmm. I mean, there's something going on all the time. And there is a huge transition when you become a working adult. And how do you meet people? How do you make friends when maybe your coworkers are all in their 40s and 50s and 60s? All of a sudden, you're the young person at the office or at the school or wherever you're working. And it becomes very difficult then. And your college friends are scattered all throughout the United States. So I love that this will fill, um, I think, a real need for many young working Catholics. Yes, abs absolutely. Uh, both connections to friends, uh, you know, and also to more senior Catholics that are that are uh, practicing their faith in the workplace. So we do have an extensive mentorship uh, network. Beautiful. And a lot of times you just... You may not know that you do have coworkers that are Catholic, right. uh, not because people are necessarily hiding it, but just people aren't asked or, or, you know, not everyone has a giant crucifix on your desk. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so just learning that there are folks in their local community that are practicing Catholics in the workforce and in senior positions and their, and their peers. What, you know, th this is a question I have to get a little bit more specific because I was going to say, what's the difference that it makes? But it, it, that's kind of twofold. It's like, what's the difference it makes in the work environment to have mm -hmm. Catholics who are living out their faith and not necessarily process or, or, or going around and recruiting, but just living out the, our Catholic values. And then what's the difference that it makes in the lives of the members of YCP? Right, yes. And and we, we've, we've gotten so much feedback on the encouragement of just knowing that there are people out there. Uh, as you said, at Ravenous Wolves and the business world, it can make you think like you're alone. But there are you know millions of faithful practicing Catholics uh, out there in both the business world and law and medicine and um, accounting. Uh, in, in sports, um, and just knowing that those people are out there that they can go to for guidance uh, really makes a big impact on the on the folks just heading out there from college. Wonderful. Well, Philip, we want to thank you for being with us. Before we let you go, we, we need to ask the most important question. Anybody that's listening saying, wait, I'm a, I'm a young adult, and uh, I work, and I'd love to get in touch with YCP and see if there's a chapter in my area. Or, or if not, you know, how can I contact this growth officer and say, is it a possibility? So wh where can they go? Yes. Yeah, so so it, for our nationwide network, uh, www.youngcatholicprofessionals.org, and you can see uh, where we are. Definitely uh, for St. Louis, we do have a wonderful chapter here that's looking for Catholics of all ages to get involved, either as, as mentors or speakers or attendees, and that's www.stlouis.org. All right. Well, Philip, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're actually going to have an interview that I was able to record yesterday, one that I, I was very excited about, and uh, I'll, I'm just going to preface it this way. I got home last night, and I just looked at my four daughters, and I said, I hope you all grow up to be a woman like this. So that's all I'm going to say for now. You have to stay tuned for more. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back after this. A prayer for the dead. God, our Father, your power brings us to birth. Your providence guides our lives, and by your command we return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence, their lives change, but do not end. I pray and hope for my family, relatives, and friends, and for all the dead known to you alone. In company with Christ, who died and now lives, may they rejoice in your kingdom, where all our tears are wiped away. 
Unite us together again in one family to sing your praise forever and ever. Amen. So one of the joys of being at the Focus Seek 23 conference is that in the midst of the chaos of Mission Way, we get to escape every now and then and meet some fantastic people in the uh, hallways. And we're happy to sit down with the keynote speaker from Monday Night Chica. Uh, it's so good to be with you today. It is a joy to be with you. Thank you. All right. So last night, you and Paul Kim spoke, and you set the stage for Seek. What do you hope, or, or maybe we should dare to say, what do you expect God to do this week here in St. Louis? Oh, man, that's a big question. <laughs> like, what do I expect God to do? I mean, what he always does. He's so faithful to us. And I have, I, I honestly don't have expectations, but I have um, the desire for the Lord to make himself known, whether it's in a big way or in small ways to, to each of us, uh, whether it's through the talks or interactions. Um, just even having a meal with someone can can open someone up to recognizing that like yeah someone sees me someone loves me or someone's you know talking to me that I'm not so alone um so just presence that's that's the expectation is just presence now like like any conference attendee when I saw the list of here's who's going to be there who's going to be speaking it's like all right I'm gonna go do my homework go do do a little research find out so I saw a video that uh Y Disciple shared of your testimony and at one point in that you mentioned that it was one particular summer you were at an event and your life changed and all of a sudden that relationship with God that that, that understanding of it changed and I think you said oh this is what it's like to give your life to Jesus can you tell us a little bit about that that change in relationship that happened at that summer event yeah so net ministries uh, national evangelization team ministries they are based in st. Paul Minnesota but they used to go around and do these summer retreats called discipleship week or D week and my siblings used to go I have two older brothers and an older sister and when they would come back they would be nice to me and I was like what the heck happened to you? <laughs> Something like there, there was a change in you that is making you nice to me, the baby sister. And it, finally, when it was my turn to attend, I grew up in a church that was like, you know, I knew that God loved me. And this retreat, I was challenged to say back to God, like, God, I love you. My, I remember my small group leader, she said, Chica, I know that you know God loves you, but do you love him? And if so, have you ever told him that? And I said, well, why do I need to tell him that? He's God. He already knows. And she, she proposed that challenge. And I remember during adoration, um, I, she told me to put my hands out stretched in front of me, um, like a cup, you know, and she said, place in your hands, all the things that are heavy on your heart. I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade. So it may seem like, well, what's heavy on an eighth grader's heart, but the reality that I was going into high school, nervousness about friend groups, things that were happening within me and, and my family. And in the moment where I thought, man, my head, my hands are heavy. All of this, these burdens are so heavy. When I thought I would fall from the weight of, of all of these burdens, I said, okay, God, take them. And I recognize not everyone has, you know, these type of tangible moments, but I received this moment of feeling weightlessness and my hands floated up in the air and in this posture of surrender. And I said, okay, God, like, I love you. Not only do I love you, but I'm in love with you and, you know, rested in the spirit for the first time in my life. And it was such a, a beautiful, genuine, authentic, personal moment with the Lord that, um, it changed everything for me. 
But it didn't stay that way. I mean, I had friends that died and, and all of that, and it was hard, and I kept chasing the feelings of that moment, not recognizing that God had more for me. But I kept going back to like, no, 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 I want to feel that that tangible experience of being rest, of resting in the Spirit. Um, but it was the start of something so beautiful that has continued since. Yeah, you know, I, I think of the uh, final words of Pope Emeritus Benedict last week, Jesus, I love you, and in capturing that relationship and at its core is relationship because sometimes we, we fall into that trap with our Catholicism of checklist Catholicism that you know if I just pray these prayers and, and, and go to that which we should go to the sacraments and we should pray every day but if they're just meaningless gestures without relationship what are we doing but then also I remember my my conversion experience in high school and, and really when that relationship kicked in that misconception I had well, all right well if, if I just you know it'll never be difficult again there will never be hardship again because I'm in relationship yep. with our Lord yeah. which you know <laughs> go ask the apostles go ask any right. of the early church fathers and, and the, the, the mothers and and, and and whatnot there there's hardship when you're in relationship with the Lord but relationship can help ease that burden. And that's something that you've written about, you've talked about with youth and, and young adults. Why is relationship so important, you know, when as we go forward and encounter those difficulties in life? Oh, that is a solid question. Wow. I, there's two things I think of, a relationship with the Lord, relationship with, well, I guess more than two, like family and relationship with friends and relationship with yourself too. Getting to know who you are and being able to express who you are um, is really important. And there's a, there's an often, people want to be their, themselves. You know, I have a friend who is very bubbly and joyful and an extrovert and all over the place. And I'm the exact opposite. But she's not too much and I'm not too little. And nobody wants to feel like, oh, I, I have to hinder myself because I don't know if people are going to like me or not. And I don't want to feel like I have to try to exert myself so that people will think I'm friendly or, or whatever it may be. We just want to show up as we are. And the beautiful thing about God is that he knows us in and out. He's the one that made us, and so he knows us through and through. And with our families, we we all want to belong and to have a relationship with our families. I know that his, something like people may not even know their families uh, for one reason or another or have very difficult relationships. And so they create family. So family is something that you're born into and sometimes family is the one that you create around you with friends and, and, and those who love you and seek out your best interest. So I think relationship is so important. And there's a priest, um, a friend of mine who quotes someone else who says, rules without relationship equals rebellion. So if we're just like trying to follow the rules, whether it's the Ten Commandments, the sacraments, or the checklist of things, but we don't know why and for whom, well, then what's the point? At some point, I'm going to be like, I'm tired of this nonsense. I'm out. Same thing with friends. If it's like, I just have to follow a bunch of rules to be your friend, I don't want this. I, I want you. I want it to be mutually life-giving and mutually benefiting. So there has to be the rules of boundaries when it comes to relationships. Um, 
but there has to be relationships. It has to be authentic and true. One of the beautiful things we've experienced just in the, the last 12 hours or so that we've been gathered together, I guess going on 24 now, is you see those relationships forming in Mission Way and in the hallways and going into the sessions. And it's really, I mean, an amazing, extraordinary thing. And that's one of the things I love about Focus is that idea of going onto campus and saying, you know what, God created you to be someone. Mm-hmm. And we just want you to d- grow deeper in love with him and, and be you and, and be there. Um, and when... It's, it's certainly a difficult time to live a holy life in the culture. It's a difficult time to be a Catholic, to be in that relationship with God. And yet these relationships formed here this week can help anchor everyone as they go back to their campuses and their, their daily lives. What, what's one of your hopes for everyone? You know, as they build these relationships this week and they go back and they, they find themselves, you know, the high from the conference comes down. We're, we're back to our daily grind and we say, okay, it is difficult today. What can we take with us from Seek? Oh, wow. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, last week was a tough one for me. I, and even yesterday, yesterday was, oh my gosh, like walking through and, and seeing all the people and the seats and everything and thinking, oh my gosh, Lord, this is very overwhelming. Um, and I, I had a moment of panic. I really did. I had, a, I had a very strong moment of panic. And then I walked into the dome when I saw the seats. And I went from crying because I was overwhelmed to crying because I was overwhelmed by God's grace. And God is faithful. And I think if there's anything I'd want people to remember is that God is faithful. And it says in Second Timothy, I think it's 2.13, but don't quote me. Look it up yourselves. Um, God is faithful even when we are unfaithful because God cannot deny himself. And that is his character. God is faithfulness. So even in the midst of the worst storm in your life, God is with you. God loves you. And when we ask that question truly, like, God, why didn't you save me from this? I don't have that answer except to say that, you know, um, we share in his divinity. We also share in his suffering. And we can't have one without the other. And so God is faithful um, in all times. A priest once said the road to heaven passes on the way of the cross. They're mm-hmm. inseparable. If you want to go to heaven, you're going to suffer. But Chica, I want to thank you for your encouragement and all you are doing for everyone gathered here and taking the time to sit down with us. It's truly been a pleasure. Adam, thank you so much. What a gift. <laughs> it's been great to sit down with wonderful speakers like Chica all throughout the week this week. And here's the best part of this morning. Um, if you're saying, I could really use a little extra roadmap to heaven, we actually have some for you today, especially since it's Wednesday and we go into Matthew Leonard after the show. We had a little bit of wiggle room with the time, and so we're going to take advantage of that. But we do need to stop to get you another check of the weather and the daily dose of encouragement and the station IDs. But don't change that dial, because when we come back, we'll be talking with Father Shane Demon, Vice Rector of Kenrick Glennon Seminary here in St. Louis. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Teach us to be generous, good Lord. Teach us to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing we do your will. Amen. This week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, we are taking a closer look at the Mother of Perpetual Help devotions, and Patty Schneier has been sharing some wonderful nuggets of prayer from the devotion. Patty, 
Let's dive into this Wednesday nugget you have for us. Well, again, I'm just so grateful for the tradition of the church and preserving these beautiful prayers that are handed down to us and discovering them. They're just packed. They're just rich, full of advice, wisdom, encouragement, and they're beautiful prayers. We don't need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to the prayer tradition of the Catholic faith. And discovering Mother Perpetual Help devotions has just intensified my own prayers. So today, here's a quote from the Mother Perpetual Help devotions. Mary, humble handmaid of the Lord, we need your example today to discover God's will in our lives. You always gave God the first place in your life. Just as you pondered his word in your heart, help each of us to seek his plan in all that we do. Give us the conviction that nothing is more important than doing the will of our heavenly father. May we spend each moment in loving and pleasing him. Help us follow your example in proclaiming, I am the servant of the Lord. I will what God wills, when he wills it, as he wills it, because he wills it. End quote. Ah, oh, I love that part of the prayer. And today that the encouragement is all about the acceptance of God's will. And you know, it's not so much accepting God's will in the big things in life. Those will come, but it's the little everyday things according to your state in life. So if you're a student, then God's will for you is to study and get the best grades possible. If you are a mom with young children, then God's will for you today might be just reading stories or having a tea party or building Legos and making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Acceptance of God's will for you according to your state in life. That's what this is all about. And may we know that nothing is more important than doing the will of our Heavenly Father. So wherever you are today, accept it as God's will and then say, I will what God wills, when he wills it, as he wills it, because he wills it. Pray that prayer for you in your life today. That's an absolutely beautiful prayer, and I don't think we need to limit that to our perpetual help devotions on Tuesday. I think you've just given us something to pray each and every day. Prayer for Priests by St. Therese of Lisieux. O Jesus, eternal priest, keep your priests within the shelter of your sacred heart where none may touch them. Keep unstained their anointed hands which daily touch your sacred body. Keep unsullied their lips daily purpled with your precious blood. Keep pure and unearthly their hearts sealed with the sublime mark of the priesthood. Let your holy love surround them and shield them from the world's contagion. Bless their labors with abundant fruit, and may the souls to whom they minister be their joy and consolation, here and in heaven their beautiful and everlasting crown. Amen. We are back, and this is Adam Wright with a little bonus Roadmap to Heaven time for you this morning. It's Roadmap to Heaven Overtime here on Covenant Network. I'm joined by Patty Schneier down at the America Center in downtown St. Louis, where everyone's waking up and starting to get ready for Mass this morning at the Seek 23 conference. But before we part ways with you this morning, we're happy to have one more guest with us, Father Shane Demon, who is the Vice Rector of Formation at Kenrick Glennon Seminary here in St. Louis, and also the Vocations Director for the Diocese of Sioux City. Uh, Father, 
Taylor, I know you're new to St. Louis, relatively new. You, you came in August, so it's been a few months. But uh, on behalf of Covenant Network, welcome to St. Louis, and thank you for being with us this morning. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you, and I appreciate the invitation and the chance to to chat and talk about some of the great things going on here at SEEK and in the seminary as well. Yeah, so we recently had the opportunity to sit down with the rector, Father Hazing, and hear a little bit about formation at the seminary. Um, how's it going with the men? You know, how is it to see them grow now that you're there and not just the vocations director sending them off to the seminary? Right, so I was the vocation director for the past seven years in Sioux City, and uh, Sioux City, Iowa was my home diocese, and I have learned that when you sit on the other side of the desk, there's quite a, a change. You know, when you when you work with the men during the application phase, when there's the excitement of ordination weekends in the diocese, maybe you get together for a, a Christmas gathering with the bishop or uh, little retreats together, you see one side of the men. And then when you live with them all the time, <laughs> morning, noon, and night, and weekends, you, you get to see a whole lot. But the, the advantage of that is when you live in community with them, you also get to see the growth up close and personal. Absolutely. Um, and you know the ups and the downs as they work through their own discernment questions, as they grow in their faith, their knowledge of the faith as they work through their family issues all of that gives us an up-close seat and when there's a trusting environment and a, a level of vulnerability is established there all of a sudden you get to really enter into the interior lives of these men it's a really great privilege mm. it, that's absolutely wonderful now one of uh, my, my great priest friends we, we talk often and we came to this conclusion that you know what what is the formation for priesthood for our priests it's philosophy theology practical application or pastoral application, but we have the priesthood of the baptized. So even Patty and I live out in a different way right. that call to the priesthood. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Pope Benedict, Pope Emeritus Benedict, who just passed away and his predecessor, the great St. John Paul II. And this priest said to me, you know, if you look at these three pontificates, St. John Paul II, philosophy, mm -hmm. Pope Benedict XVI, theology, and now Pope Francis, pastoral application. And so as we talk about formation for the priesthood and, and what you'll be talking about here at Focus, this is also about formation for the laity, for, for everyone. We all have to continue to be formed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, formation is an ongoing project, even for the seminarians. Like when you get hands laid on you and it's ordination day, okay, well, it doesn't stop. There's, there's ongoing formation in which what one has received in a seminary continues to be unpacked and bears fruit. And you start to look at things like, oh, I, that's what the professor meant now that I'm living this here in the parish, you know, realities. Um, and there's only so much that you can absorb, right? You know, you're, you're in seminary for six, seven, eight years, whatever it is, and uh, you can only absorb so much. And at a certain point, you just need to be sent out and, and start living those realities. But then as, as your wisdom in life grows and as you're, you're met with different challenges in life, of course, you go back to the roots of your faith and you start to see things differently. And, and the Holy Spirit keeps giving you graces along the way. Uh, helping you interpret scripture in, in ever fresh ways uh, and live your faith in, in new context. So when we talk about those daily practices, you know, going to Mass, you know, the, the minimum on Sundays, but especially if you can get to daily Mass, mm -hmm. praying with Scripture, uh, praying the Rosary, spending that time in contemplation, spending that time in adoration, talking with our Lord and saying, Lord, here's where I'm at today. Those are just key components every day for our ongoing formation, because if we don't do those things, how, how are we going to be in relationship with our Lord? Right. I, I, Father Hazing is my boss, the rector of our seminary, and he does a great job of always putting these men in relationship to Jesus, making them men of discernment to say, how am I carefully understanding where God's heart is moving in each of the situations of my daily life? And when you stay in relationship and, and you really have developed the habit of discerning where God is moving, well, then not only is your life well integrated, but then you're now well equipped to help others find the voice of God. 
That's an ongoing project, and I hope our men at, at the seminary are well-equipped to do that. So what are you doing here at SEEK this week with the seminarians or with other vocation directors? I'm just curious as to, I mean, we've seen so many of, of people from our own seminary walking around here, and, right. and I'm just curious. Well, I, I, to be honest with you, it's been a full court press, you know, for a couple of months just leading up to this, and, and this week's been really intense. But we knew that going in, uh, SEEK is, Seek is an, an intense experience for everybody, you know, who's on the ground here with five days of, of morning, noon, and night activities and high energy. Um, but we are intentionally really diving in with the help of our men, and that's very formative for them. We wanted to give back to Focus. We wanted to give back to the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We are staffing the Adoration Chapel with the National Vocation Directors Conference. We've got men praying in there all day long from 7 a.m. to 11.30 at night. They're uh, also helping guard the relics there. We've got first-class relics of Padre Peel, John Paul the Great, Therese of Lisieux. Wow. We've got a second-class relic of Fulton Sheen, and then also a first-class relic of Rose Philippine Duchenne, who's buried here in St. Charles, Missouri. Uh, so we're also leading morning prayer and evening prayer in there. Plus, we're ser serving and helping with the liturgical setup on main stage in the main arena. I saw a lot of our seminarians yes. at Mass yesterday, and mm -hmm. they're helping out and serving at all of the Masses. Right. And, and I understand that all of our seminarians are, are able to be here. They are. Yeah. We've had very generous donors here from the Archdiocese of St. Louis and the surrounding area who really believe in the mission of focus and they know the power of this new evangelization moment and they wanted our seminarians to be able to come here without the financial burdens so our men have responded very generously they gave up uh, parts of their Christmas vacation to help with the setup, uh, and they're going to be tearing down. They're going to help with the cleanup, too. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, Father, before we let you go, because we, we do need to uh, end soon so we can get to Mass and be prepared, and you know we don't want to be the ones walking in at the last minute. Sure. Uh, the, the, the priests are the last ones to walk in because sure. you're supposed to be the last ones to walk <laughs> sure. in. And there's um, like 400 of you yeah, here. Yeah, so it's going to be a longer procession. <laughs> yeah. You've got a few more minutes. But I, I understand that uh, you'll be speaking this week at one of the impact sessions. Do you want to give us a little sneak preview of, of what we, we might be hearing from you at Focus this week? I, you know, I'm actually not speaking at okay. one of the impact sessions, but that's okay. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong notes here. I, I, I apologize no, for that. No, that's all right. I've, I'm kind of just taking a back seat to just help staff liturgies all week. Um, Father Hazing uh, is going to be speaking at a few things as well. Um, but I'm not in that okay. role right now. All right. Well, you, you might have to be ready as the vice rector. You never know when you're going to get tapped. And so I you're, know. You're, you're on deck here. Let's, Tag let's team, go. you're in. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll make this the last question before we go. And we were talking about this a little bit yesterday afternoon with uh, Sister Mary Carolyn Nunes, the vocation director for the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George, and Father Brian Alford from Springfield, Illinois. Right. But, again, for, for those young men that might be listening to this live or later on on the podcast, saying, you know, I think God may, maybe he is calling me to the priesthood. I Mm -hmm. I don't know. Where can they go? First of all, they could go to diocesanpriest.com. There's a whole listing there of all the vocation directors of the nation. Uh, go talk to your local pastor or a priest that you really trust, and he can get you in touch with your local vocation director who can give you tips on how to deepen your prayer, find a spiritual director, and help the discernment process move forward. Yeah, and, and if that moves to application to seminary, that, even at that point, you don't have to know for certain that God is calling you to be a priest. This is just another step in discernment. It's a serious one, but right. just a step. Yeah, when you step into seminary, we're not ordaining you on day one. You're stepping <laughs> Thank into God. A, yeah, <laughs> you're stepping into a place where the church can discern with you, and you can discern with the church. And together in that mutual collaboration, we'll find the will of God. Beautiful. All right. Well, Father, uh, as we draw our to a close this morning on our broadcast of Roadmap to Heaven. Could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? Sure. Let's pray together. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, as we begin a new day, we ask for your blessings upon us and upon all of our listeners. Anoint us with the power of the Holy Spirit that we might speak a word of truth and a word of joy to all whom we encounter. And may Mary, Queen of Heaven and Earth, watch over us with her mantle of motherly care and protection. 
And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Shane Demon, thank you so much for being with us this morning. You're we welcome. look forward to uh, seeing you around as we meander through the conference. And, you know, Patty and I are going to go get ready to go to Holy Mass. There's 17,000 young adults passing by us right now, pouring into the dome. Um, and what, what a sight, a joyful sight it is to see. So yeah. we're going to go back to our Christmas music because it, it, it's still Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everyone. And uh, Patty and I will be back with you this afternoon. But in the meantime, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. And I'm Patty Schneier. And do not forget to pray your rosary today.